All right. This series on knowing God is about how to, how to have a relationship with God in such a way that Jesus calls it eternal life. He says it's not about how long you're going to live. It's who you know, how you know him. It's, it's knowing the living God personally. And we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God because you can't know God if you don't hear the voice of God. Now, you may say, well, I, I could never hear God talk and, you know, I do read the Bible. And, but, you know, if you don't learn to listen to the voice of God, the Bible doesn't take the place of the voice. Now, he speaks through his word and there's nothing more important than his word and he'll never contradict his word. But God wants to have a relationship with you that's not one way, where you do all the talking and then you hang up. You know, you don't have a communication where it's a two-way street. So we're going to start in John, then we're going to go to the Old Testament. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, Jesus talks about being a shepherd. I love that analogy, uh, like Psalm 23, but John 10, verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs up by some other way, is a thief and a robber. So he's talking about false teachers and, and people that have come to deceive. They, they never come in through the front door. They sneak in. Verse 2, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him. Now listen to this. The sheep listen to his voice. Why would a sheep? Let me see a hand. Blurt it out. You stay after church for detention and help clean up all the stuff that you left behind. Okay, why does a sheep listen to a shepherd? Let me see a hand. Yes, ma'am. He's going to get fed. Hey, it's like, you know, it's like when my mother rang the bell. Did anybody have a bell? She had a bell. If you were out of ear of the bell and it's summertime and she rang it, you're not eating supper. You learn to pay attention to the bell. She rang the bell. I salivated, came home and ate. I knew good things were waiting on me when my mother rang the bell. When the shepherd rang the bell, the sheep saw, they know. What else? What else? Why would a sheep say, I've got to listen? Okay, yes, sir, Ray. Say it again. Why? Why do they want to know it? What, trust in what? It's something good's going to come out of it. Go ahead, buddy. For direct, yeah, the, the, I, I need his voice because he feeds me, he cares for me, he guides me, he protects me. Only good stuff comes from hearing him. Bad stuff comes from ignoring him. Okay, so Jesus establishes that. He puts us in the relationship as sheep. He's the shepherd. He says in verse 3, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all of his own out, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So just a couple of quick things here, and then we're going to go see this. Walked out. He knows his sheep by name. There's, a, there's an intimacy to that. There's a, there's a, you're not just one of a herd. You're unique. You're you. You're fluffy. And you are, you're, the shepherds have the ability. Most sheep to me look all alike. They just do. They just look, that's just a, but they know the nuances. They know the little ear thing. They know the marks. They know that they have recognition of them individually. That's so important to keep that in mind. And he calls them by name, which means he knows them. 
There's a, there's so he uses this imagery and that he leads them. He doesn't drive them like cattle. Yeah, whoosh, whoosh, a shepherd. And they follow. Why? Because he's going to lead to green pastures. He's going to lead to quiet waters. He's going to restore their soul. So now let's go to the Old Testament. One of my favorite stories of learning to hear the voice of God. In 1 Samuel, in the Old Testament, all the first and seconds are together. 1 Samuel is the story about Samuel, who anoints the first king of Israel, Saul. Saul's a loser, and he anoints David to take his place, and that's his mission. But he's born, chapter 1 and 2 has some great parenting uh, recommendations. Uh, the mother of, of Samuel can't have babies, and she goes to the temple and begs God, God, I need a baby. And back then, to not have a baby was, was, was a, a, not just a, a prideful thing or an image thing. It was a necessity. If you don't have a child, especially a son, as you get older to take care of you, that was their, their health care system. That was their Medicare. That was their Social Security. I'm going to have a child. That child's going to take care of me. And so she had no children. And so she begged God, and she said, God, if you give me a child, I'm going to give him back to you all of his life. What a great prayer. It's not a selfish mom that just wants all the oohs and ahs from his, her little baby. She said, God, you give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. And God gives her a son. She and her husband, Elkaniah, they come back to the temple. He's about three years now. She's weaned him. And so he's able to talk. He's, he's at that. So they bring him to the temple. She's got him dressed in a priest outfit. She made an outfit for him every year. This mother had vision for what her child was going to become. This mother didn't let the devil tell her who her child would be. This mother didn't let the world tell her what his limitations are and deficiencies. This woman knew God has purposes for young children, valued. So he brought him to the temple. She brings him to a guy named Eli, who's the head priest. He has two sons that are losers, losers, complete. In fact, loser is a nice word. They're wicked. They're foul. They're stealing in the temple. They're, they're, they're having sex with women in the temple. They're, they're perverse. They're bro- this is a dark. The temple's supposed to be the place of light, but the word has been shut off. God has shut them off because there's no revelation because they've put the light out in their own hearts. And by corruption, God warns the dad, and he, he tries to warn his kids, but he's afraid to discipline them. You know, he, he just kind of gives them a, a, a slap on the wrist, and, and, and God's not happy. But in the midst of this, he almost gets a little bit of a do-over because he gets this little boy that's entrusted to him in the temple to raise him in, in, the, in, the, in the service of the Lord, this little, this little uh, uh, future kingdom person. Hannah didn't wait till he was grown and I'm going to let my, my son or daughter figure out their own way. Do you know how stupid that is? Really? It, it, because it be, acts like your child's in a vacuum. They don't have any influence by media or by internet. They don't have any influence by friends and school and people that are, you know, uh, the, the media would love to form your child into the image of what the world wants your child to be. We, we live in a world that if you're not proactive with your children and you're not investing in your children and you're not protecting your children and you're not letting your child, she didn't ask him if it was up to, if it was okay with him. You know why? 
Because children are so receptive to the kingdom of God. Have you ever met a child that was an atheist? There isn't. You'll never meet a child that's an atheist. They may have atheistic parents, but you learn to be an atheist. You, you, children are receptive. They're open. They're, 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 they're pliable. They're, 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 they're God's soft clay that he can put his imprint on. And, and many of you were touched at a young age and, and life happens and the enemy comes in and sin comes in and, and bad choices come in and you begin to forget the things that, that God put in you, but he's not done and he hasn't forgotten them. So Samuel, the mom brings him and, and the old King James would say she lent him. The, the word means she gave him. She released him. She said, God, this is yours. Have you done that with your children or grandchildren? And maybe you have to do it on a regular basis. But God, this daughter, this son, he, she is yours. You gave him or her to me. I give them, not just when they're misbehaving. You give them back. It's easy to give God something when it's broken. Give God stuff before it's broken. Don't just say, now, to God, she brings him to the temple. He's dressed as a little priest. You know, I, I, what, a, what a beautiful picture. You know, she, she wasn't looking for him. He, he didn't come dressed in a football uniform. Come on. He didn't come dressed in a, in a warrior, soldier uniform. He didn't come dressed as a, as a businessman. Driving a little mini car like his dad does to sell whatever he sells on TV. He came dressed as a child that's going to make a difference in the world. Now, you might do all of those things, but if your goal for your child is the honor roll, or your goal for your child is education, and your goal for your child is just success in a worldly sense, then you're going to miss the mark in being a parent. Your goal has to be, I want him anchored in the love of Jesus and the kingdom of God that nothing is more important than the kingdom of God. That's how Samuel was raised. And guess how he lived? Nothing. So he comes into a corrupt temple, but it didn't corrupt him. There are kids that can go to college and that can overcome because of the light that's in them. But there's darkness in many of the campuses and what they're being taught. There needs to be that living relationship with God that you can't steal that from somebody. So in this story, we see the value of parenting and we see that, that God cares about children. It shapes our philosophy of the vineyard here. We don't look at them as little hassles that we try to find something to do with them. But up in the kids' ministry right now, they're learning about Jesus. They're getting prayed over. They're worshiping. They're being taught that you can hear God. Now, do they go home and have parents that feed that and encourage that? I hope so. Samuel is brought to the temple. Now, we said, say, you know, he's, 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 he's been there for a while. He's, I, I don't know, maybe he's 12 years old, 11 years old. I don't know, middle schooler. Maybe, maybe not. But look what happens. Chapter 3 of the book of Samuel. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There weren't many visions. God's word had become just meaningless. And darkness has covered the temple. But God's bringing a light through a child. 
Verse two, one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God, that's inside this, uh, it's, not, it's not Solomon's temple, but it was, it was a tabernacle that they've now reinforced. It's probably got some walls, and, and they slept in and around there, and they kept a candle burning all night, the seven, uh, the golden candlestick, seven uh, branches to it. And it says, it was lying in the temple, in verse 3, where the Lord, the ark of the Lord was, and God, it's God's house. He's there, he's in the temple. In uh, verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. Now, this is just a good-hearted boy. He doesn't know it's the Lord. How do you know that? Well, because he runs to Eli in verse 5. He runs to Eli and says, here I am. You called me. Eli says, "Now go to bed. I didn't call you. Not good on Eli. Strike one. Let me help you here. Parents, you need to have a value that God speaks to your child, that God communicates to children. So does the devil, by the way. He's really good at it, so don't ever underestimate your child or grandchild's fear, trauma, nightmares, monsters around the bed. You come in, take your authority in Jesus' name, and rebuke them. And then you talk to them about, or have they been watching things that could open the door for fear and attacks like that? But take it seriously. When your child has a dream, uh, you, you help them discern it. Is that something from God? Or is that a, a, an attack of the enemy? When your child has this sense that God, that we trained our children from the earliest age that they can hear God. I mean, it's, it's just, it, because without hearing God, you'll never have a relationship with him. You'll be religious. You might be sacrificial. You could work hard in the church. But there's many people that work hard in the church that don't have a living relationship with God. You know, we learned early on, you know, I had a horrible experience with a boy that wanted to be baptized. His parents did at four, and, and, and I said, no, I thought he was too young, and you could read about it in our book, The Power of Ugly, but he died, and it was a horrible experience, but it, it shaped me to realize that if a child says they're ready to follow Jesus, don't tell them they're too young. And so from then on, we baptized. So all of our daughters were older then, and the two, two of them, and we had baptized them, but our youngest, uh, Casey, was four years old, and she gave her heart in a children's ministry. Somebody cared enough to be an Eli to help her find Jesus and her mom and dad. And she said, I want to get baptized. Well, back then we didn't just do a, a safe baptism with a tub in the church that we'll do on October 1st as we celebrate one year after Ian. We went to the beach. We went to Sanibel, which was where we pastored, and we went out in force. We'd bring our guitars. Back then we were, we were pretty strict. I was pretty strict. Had my tie on. Can you imagine baptizing with a tie on? You got stupid written all over you. And, uh, but anyway, we'd go to the beach and it'd freak people out because the cult group has got there and they're singing songs and we'd go out and I would preach out there while, and so it was Casey's turn to come out, but there were some of these breakers. She was only, she was only four. She was tiny. She comes walk out, wham, she gets slammed with a, with a wave and she fights through it. She gets out there. We baptize her. I brought her back. 
got a circle around. People on the beach are around. People have gathered. It's a crowd gathered. It's like, who, who sees an outdoor baptism? I do it all the time. I just can't get most people to go when we do it. So I'd rather do it here and not have you miss out on it. Anyway, we, we, we got this crowd. I said, Casey, I said, brought her. I said, I said, what did it feel like getting baptized? Now, she's four years old. So what did it feel like getting baptized? She said, I felt like Jesus coming out of the grave. I'm like, wow, you can't get it. I've never had an adult say that. You can't get any deeper than that. There's not a better reference to what baptism is. Death to old, new life in Christ, buried like Christ, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You can't get that if you're a baby. You can't say to the baby, baby, how was the baptism? That's why we don't baptize babies. We dedicate them as, as Hannah did, which is a powerful thing, but we baptize believers. So Samuel, here's God. Let, let me say the first principle. I want you to grasp this. First principle is God wants to talk to you. First principle. God, you don't have to motivate him. You don't have to talk him into it. You don't have to mechanically, magically, superstitiously like white witchcraft, try to get God because you buried something under the ground or you said some voodoo, doo-doo, whatever. You said some, you know, you, you don't get God to respond to you because you're trying to, to force him. Or to, he's already motivated. He wants to talk to you. He loves you. This is Jesus in this story. The Lord here is Jesus Christ before he was born on Christmas. This is Jesus before Christmas. We're going to do a whole series on this after this. It's fascinating to follow Christ through the Bible before he's born as a human. So Jesus comes because he wants a relationship with Samuel. He takes the initiative. So Jesus is in the temple. Samuel. He calls him by name. He doesn't say, hey, you, you, you little punk, come here. If you were God, think about how humble this is. And, and he misses him. Here, so number one, God wants to talk to you. Number two, God can talk to you, and it doesn't necessarily mean you recognize that it's God. That's a misnomer a lot of people have. They think, well, if God spoke to me, I'd certainly know it was God. Not necessarily. He's so unassuming at times that you can just kind of, huh? What was that? Now, I just probably made that up. So what happens to him. He didn't scream. He didn't come in and shake the temple. He didn't even glow beyond the, the, the candlestick that was in there. He just said, Samuel. Now, there's a weight to those words that he hasn't paid attention. He doesn't know how to pay attention to yet. But, but, but know this. God can talk to you, and you're not necessarily going to know that it was God. It's on you to learn to know God and recognize his voice. It's on to you to pay attention to the shepherd. The sheep learn to hear the shepherd's voice. So you can miss him. You say, well, why would he do that? I've, I've never had in all my years with God, I've never had him shout at me. I've had him say things in my spirit that were firm, that were, 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 were strong, but they're always kind. But I, I, I don't. You know, it's, I had a, a, one of my, my 
early mentors in a, in a uh, earthly sense. I led him as a spiritual sense. He died three times with massive heart attacks. They'd packed him in ice. He was a living miracle. His name was Roland Radford. Roland was a salt of the earth guy. He taught me how to fish. And uh, I'll never forget one of my biggest teaching moments was in the bird sanctuary in Sanibel, the Ding Darling. We're in this little hole that we found and we're pulling reds out. I mean, which are fantastic eating. So I'm, and this car goes by and they see us back and they go, hey, how's the fishing over there? And I turn my head down and I'm, I'm about to just go off on how good it is. I'm like, well, it's, he stomped on my foot. I mean, I, he stomped on it. And he goes, ah, we're just feeding them shrimp. That's all we're doing, feeding them shrimp. And they drove off. He said, what are you doing? You don't give away a good fishing hole. You don't tell anybody you're catching fish here. And he was dead serious. He trained me with a sore foot. You ever see the Lord sometimes do that to you? Sometimes you wish he'd have done that to you. You're about to say something? Don't say that. Gone. You can miss it. But this Roland, the reason I bring him up, because he would walk around. He, he lived at the church in a, a little house in the back, and he was our maintenance guy. And he, he built me bookshelves that I still have to this day. I mean, we're talking 43 years ago. They're in my office at home where I study. And Roland would always say this. Well, I'd say, Roland, what did you do? Why did you come here right now? He said, something told me I needed to come. And he would say that. I finally said, Roland, Roland. And it's always good stuff. Something told me I needed to do this. So I said, Roland, that's the Lord telling you. He goes, I don't know about that, but something told me. And he would say that over to, it drive me, I'd lose my mind with him. I'd say, no, he, he, was, there was that, he was being humble, but you can, you can be too humble. And you've got to recognize, you've got to give expression that God is saying something. Now, we don't give it in a prideful way at the vineyard. We teach against it. If you've got anybody that acts like they hear God in this perfect sense. They never get it wrong. They solve every problem, do everything right. I'd, I'd, I'd run from that person. Because nobody hears God that clearly. We're all fallible, but, but you can miss him, and you can not recognize him, and that he's talking to you, but you're not paying attention. So God gives him another shot. I love that about the Lord. He didn't go, well, one and done. You had your chance. Verse 6, again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, here am I, or here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, says, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. He woke up an old guy. He's, he's, he's missed it again. He's dull. Parents, grandparents, don't, don't get dull in your spiritual perception. This is where a mentor is needed. This is where someone is needed to say, hey, I think God's talking to you. Have some faith for God to break through. Have some faith for something to happen beyond this world's understanding. You know, just have, have some faith. Pay attention. You know, we, we, we're just, just we, we get dull. We're alert to other things, though, aren't we? You know what drives me insane, and you might have it on your phone, and God bless you if you do, but if it goes off in here, I'd love to smash it. But you hear these, bing, certain news station, news alert, urgent, bing. 
And you're trying to have a conversation with somebody, and every time you, you bing, and, and it's, it's, it's never is it something significant like World War III has just begun. It's some stupid thing that somebody politically did something stupid somewhere, but you're programmed like a little, like a little, like my mother's dinner bell. You're programmed. I got to hear the urgent news. If it's urgent, your mother will call you. You don't need the news to tell you. Your friends will. I've learned that. I've been off of social media for over a decade. And, And believe it or not, my head hasn't fallen off. And I'm still walking with Jesus. It's a miracle. And I haven't missed a hurricane. I haven't missed, uh, you know, any major news. Here's the point. Why don't you put on your phone a real alert? Bing! Listen to God. Have a little bing that comes on and reminds you, have I listened to God today? Not did I speak to God, but have I listened to God? Is he trying to tell me anything today? Did I give him space to talk to me. Eli says, go lay down. Go lay down. Just a dream. It's, you're just a kid. Verse 8, the Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, here I am. You called me. Eli realizes finally, finally, he realizes that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli tells Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went. He laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there. Don't miss that. Stood there. Jesus in the presence in the form of a man stands before a child because he's important to him. And he stands and Samuel says, speak for your servant is listening. Wow. If, if, if we can cultivate that heart, that heart that says what God has to say is more important than anything else. Now, if you try to trap God in a yes or no conversation, you're going to set yourself up for a no-win deal. Lord, do you want me to do this? Yes or no? I always hear this. Yes, no, maybe. I'm like, what? Should I do this? Should I, do you want me to go here and do this or not? No. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. I think so. Maybe. I was like, why would God mess with me like that? Because he's not a yes or no God. It's like I try to teach, I I train my grandchildren. One in particular, he'd call and always just go, hey, Grandpa, I need to borrow the Jeep. And I'd say, buddy, stop. First you say, hi, Grandpa, and you introduce yourself. And then you say, Grandpa, how are you doing? And I tell you how I'm doing. And then maybe you tell me a little bit how you're doing. And then you can get to asking for the Jeep. Because I like to know you want to talk to Grandpa as much as you want to borrow the Jeep. So he calls back and says, hey, Grandpa, how's it going? I'm going all pretty good with me. Okay, can I borrow the Jeep? (laughs) See, check off the box. God doesn't just want to be your answer man. God doesn't want to just be the guider. He's not Uber. He's not the Uber God. You just call on him. We need to get somewhere. He wants a relationship. He wants you to know him. And I, you know, I, I think I missed like the pivotal verse. You guys caused me to miss it. Verse seven. Go back to seven. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord has not yet been revealed to him. That's the missing piece here. Oh, myself. How did I miss that? It's the key nugget in the whole message. Wow. 
you guys threw me off. But it was that cell phone that went off. Beep, news alert. Urgent. Read verse 7. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit helps us. He didn't recognize the Lord because he didn't know him yet. When you know him, you recognize him. That doesn't mean you get it perfectly. It's not mechanical. It's not formulistic. It's just a relationship that there's a weight to what God says that you pay attention to. Not Charlton Heston God. You know, Jamie, Jamie, I want you to call Rich and tell him I love him. Now, that's good if God did that. But what that would say to me is that I'm not a very good hearer of God. Anytime a parent started screaming at their kids that you've lost control and there's a breakdown, God doesn't scream. You can blow him off. You can miss him. He won't nag you. Now, he's persistent. There's a difference between that and nagging. Usually when you have nagging thoughts that are arguing inside of you and you think maybe that's God talking to you and it's relentless and it's good, that's just either your brokenness or the enemy because God doesn't obsess on anything. God doesn't drive you. God doesn't say, hey, 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 hey. No, he says, Jamie, I'm busy here. I can, what, what? That, that might have been, there's that sense. When God speaks, there's, a, there's a, a weight, even though it's my thoughts, my voice. I don't hear God in a different voice than my own thoughts. But all of a sudden, my thoughts rise up in a way that I've learned that that's not Jamie's going to think that. This is the Father's, there's a weight, there's a sense now, sometimes it's just a, a couple words that I've got to unpack them. I've got to, we say, give expression to your impression. God could give you one word, but search it out. I had somebody here last week that was sharing in our prayer group that uh, during worship, we sang a little bit of a Spanish song, and they don't even speak Spanish. And they were deeply moved by it and had tears in their eyes. And I said to him, I said, well, what do you think the Lord meant by that? And they said, I don't know. I said, have you asked him? No. Search it out. I had the same experience last week. I didn't tell him what I felt. I can tell you now, because I didn't want to, I didn't want to steer him. God may have something else he wants to do in him. But I had I got emotional last week. We sang, it was a simple chorus line of a song in Spanish. And I'm like, why does that move me, Lord? That's that's just impacting me. And the Lord said, Because I've given you a heart for the nations. And 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 I was like, Thank you, Lord. And, I, you know, of course, you know, if you talk to any Spanish person, that's the language we're going to speak in heaven, Spanish. So you better learn it. Is that right, my Spanish community? Yes. It's a great language. I wish I could learn it quicker. But listen to me. God speaks every language. And he's, if you're a Spanish speaker, he's not going to speak to you in English. Because he hablos español. And if you're, if you're from New York, he's not going to speak to you in a southern dialect. Because you're going to go, huh? What? Y'all reckon? You know? But if you are a southerner, he knows what y'all means and reckon. And God knows you. He knew Samuel by name. He knows you by name. And he, he wants to have a relationship with you that's conversational. Now, that that doesn't mean that you're going to always walk in this 
deep revelation communication from God. He can give you that. Put something on your heart that's significant, maybe help someone else, guidance in a certain extent. But that's a, that's a different level of hearing. I'm talking about just the general level of communing with God and letting him love on you and you love on him. Now, there are, when you get a higher level, like you feel like God's told you to change jobs, and you feel like God said it to you, well, you better check with your wife, number one. You say, well, God told me. Not if he didn't tell her. <laughs> Pay attention to people in your life that you need to check things with. When it's life-changing, if God says, I just want you to know, I just think you're amazing, you don't have to go check with your pastor and say, do you think God could call me? Now, if you need to, do it. But that's so good, it has to be God to think you're amazing. That's a miracle. But if God says, I want you to go and, and, and give away, you know, and I, I've seen people do the most bizarre things over the years because they thought God told them. And I would say the common thread to all of them was they never checked with anybody to see what they thought about this life-changing decision. And some of them are horrible things. People have done some horrible things in the name of God told me. We teach at our staff, you can never solve an argument by saying, well, God told me to do it. If you wanted the, one of the most angry, probably the most angry I've ever been in a staff meeting was when I was correcting a staff member that did something that I didn't approve of. It wasn't immoral. It was just they made a decision. They didn't run it through the proper channels. And they threw the God card on the table and said, well, God told me to do it. My head spun around on my shoulders and green soup came out of my mouth. I went insane. My eyes rolled back in my head and I just went through, I just, I, it, I had to apologize. I had had several cups of coffee con leche, and so that didn't help. I was jacked up. But, but they learned a teaching point that you don't solve an argument by saying, well, I don't know. The Lord just told me to do it. Well, who, what, what can anybody say at that point? When someone comes to me and says, Pastor, God's told me to do this, what do you think? Well, don't, no, not, I'm not, what do you want me to take and tell God what to do? You come and say, Pastor, I think I may have heard God telling me to do this. Give me some room here to breathe. Give me some room to say, let me push back at that. Not so certain that's a smart idea to quit your job and you don't have a job. Not sure that's a great idea. Well, God told me because I hate my job. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, that wasn't God. He's not going to tell you to quit your job and not have another job. Well, it's a step of faith. No, it's a step of stupidity. You can still look for a new job and you can quit the old job when you find the new job. But you don't quit the job until you get a new job. Now, God could tell you to do that. Yeah, but you're not going to find very many people that will agree with him. Because it's not wisdom. I'm not going to say never, never, never. But check with somebody. Run it past somebody other than your buddies that are stupid, that don't know God. They don't know his voice. And they're going to agree with you. Don't just ask people that agree with you that are stupid like you. Find somebody that's walking with God as a track record and say, I think I'm supposed to do this. And get some wise counsel, the Bible calls it. So, so Eli got to be that wise counsel. What great advice. He's redeeming himself even though he's failed with his two boys. He gets this third shot with Samuel. He says, just put yourself at a place where you say, Lord, I want to hear you. 
Because God wants to talk. And you put yourself in that posture of speak, Lord. Your servant's listening, which means it's not I'm, I'm, I'm interested. It's I'm surrendered. It's not I'm curious what you're going to tell me. It's I'm going to do what you tell me. Now, this is the journey of knowing God. And again, God's such a faint whisperer that you could miss him in the noise in the crowd. So it takes time to unclutter yourself. If it's important enough to listen, for God to talk to you, it's important enough to give him some space. Be still. Get the word. Don't just read the Bible. Let him talk to you. And then I take the next step. When I sense God saying something, I write it down. It's called journaling. God's given me some amazing things that I'll forget in three weeks. But when I go back to my journal, I go, whoa, wow. God said this here. Now I see what it means here. And I see the Lord piecing things together. I learned to pay attention to the voice of God when others are talking. I hope you are paying attention when somebody's preaching the word. That what does the Holy Spirit have for you to go, mm, yes, mm, right there. That's you. That's for you. Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of that. Pay attention to his nudges. He, he's just not going to scream at you. He wants you to come by faith. He wants you to be hungry to hear him. And here's the deal. If you're not feeling like you're getting anything hearing the Lord, just start praising him. Just start praising him. Lord, I love you. You're so amazing. You're good. Just bless him. Quit worrying about what you wanted to hear from him and just be with him. Sometimes just his presence says more than his voice. Just saying. He puts his arm around you. Just saying. That says, like, He's got his arm around me. Wow. What does that mean to you? He loves me. Good. Interpret it. Translate. What does that sense? What did, I had someone in the last service felt like God gave him a hug. I'm like, what did that? It sounds like a stupid question. But I said, what did that mean to you? He had to unpack it. Not just, wow, I felt like God was hugging me. This is weird. This is strange. Especially if you're not used to, if you're a man and you're not used to being hugged. You know men that aren't used to being hugged because they become stiff like this when you go to hug them. They're like, they go, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Rigid. Hugging, hugging, not comfortable, not comfortable. Let me warn you, God's a hugger. He's a kisser. So we're going to practice. Don't get weird. People that act weird that say they heard God, I just say they're weird. Most things when you hear from God are practical, encouraging. It's not, it's taken me 20 minutes to tell you what God told me. At the end of 20 minutes, I couldn't tell you one thing. God doesn't usually lecture us. He gives us a deposit, a nudge, a, 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 a picture, a sense, and we unpack it. It's not some ongoing, ongoing. I had this vision, and it goes on and on. And then we were traveled over here, and then we saw that. It's just like, nah. When God speaks, there's a weight to it. There's a clarity to it. There's a, there's a practicality to it. There's a nowness to it. God doesn't rarely talk about, well, you know, five years from now, next year from now, he, right now, today, he wants you to know today 
He's got this. Okay, we're going to practice. Is that okay? Okay, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to ask the Lord a simple question. Start maybe before you ask him, you might want to tell him you love him and just praise him for something, but then just say this. Whatever, in your words, say Father, or you could ask the Lord Jesus if you're hung up, but Father is a great way to say, Father, how much do you love me? Simple question. Don't think you know the answer either. Well, I know the Lord loves me because the Bible tells me so. No, I'm wanting you to hear how he would answer that. Don't guess. Because he's going to blow your mind. You can't figure him out. You have no idea what he's going to tell you or how he'll tell you. So let's take a moment. Just pause. It helps to close your eyes. It does for me. Don't be distracted. Just take a deep breath. Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Just ask him, Father, how much do you love me? Then thank him, whatever you sense you heard. Or ask him, what, that, what did that mean? Unpack it some in your mind. Let the Holy Spirit kind of unpack it, give, give, give you a clear understanding of this is what that meant. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Okay, everybody gets an A, Okay. So, I want to see, what, what, did you, what did you feel like? You, you, maybe you saw something or you felt something. I just, I just want to have some dialogue about it. So, someone, what did you hear? Okay, yes, sir. What, so, it, you interpret that as he's got you. Yeah, that's good that you didn't just... Feel the warmth and peace, but you say, okay, Lord, what a, he's got you. Yes, ma'am. As much as you need. How much do you need? That's a, that's a good thing. So unpack that. I mean, there's a lot to just that, just to that statement. Yes, sir. Okay. How much does he love you? So that made you feel what? He loves you. I know it seems obvious, but God gave you a truth that he's love. What's your first name? So he says, Joshua, I want you to know because I'm love that I love you. Okay, you see the difference? You're just going a little deeper with it. Make it personal. Someone else, hands, hand. Yes, in the back. Say it again. What did that mean to you? How do you relate to that with him loving you? So he's coming to you with his presence because he loves you. You said it's not, I'm not trying to complicate it. It's just you go interpret. You got an impression of peace, which is wonderful. But Lord, what are you saying to me in that peace? And you interpret it. Someone else. 
Yes, sir. You saw your daughters. And what did that mean to you? And that was, you were interpreting that as God showing you like, like she loves you, he loves you like she does. That's awesome. That's pra- See, God's practical. I mean, I, I mean, that's it. yes, ma'am. I saw my brother. He goes, man, everything happened to my brother. I pray he's immortal. You saw your brother. And so the Lord reminded you that he, he kept, kept your brother. Good, good. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. That there's a confidence that you can trust him. Sometimes those are invitations to say, I'm, 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 I'm calling you a little, maybe a difference in the path because I love you. This side's been pretty good. God wasn't doing much over here on this side. Okay, we'll come back here. One. Tom, loves you to the moon. Now, did that, were you surprised at hearing that phrase? You heard your wife's voice, which is a great, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Mm. So even out of a sense of something that wasn't necessarily a positive, he brought something into that that was positive for you, showing you that. He'll never, never let you feel that. That's awesome. Good. Come on. This side. You're catching up. All right. Two ladies here. Then we'll go back to Jen. Go ahead. See, that he set you apart. And what does the set you apart mean to you? Guarding you, protecting you, keeping you. Absolutely. Go ahead. She, the Lord felt like the Lord took her breath away. It was overwhelming. How many people saw a picture when you ask? It's like, don't be your guy. Oh, picture bad. Do bad people see pictures? No, no. My wife, usually, she sees all kinds of great pictures. And, you know, the old adage, a picture's worth a thousand words. When you see a picture, like you saw your daughter, that was a picture. That, 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 now you've got to interpret that. What in the world did that picture mean? Sometimes it's obvious, but not always is it obvious. And you, you search it out. And you say, Lord, what, what was that? It was important enough for God to bring it to your mind. There was a weight to it. You knew you didn't make that up. And so you got to pay attention. And Danielle, you want to share yours? Sure. It was just like a picture of nature. And I thought that, like, she loved me so much. She made all the pictures. Like, I'm so I saw pictures of nature and that he had made that for you and with you in mind to enjoy it. Isn't that good? I mean, that's, if you learn to pay attention, give a little space to God, and, and you learn to take a little time, and, and when you read his word, and you do the same thing, Lord, what are you saying to me out of this? Maybe go back to Samuel, read something in there, and, and Lord, what do, you, what do you want to say to me out of this? And when you develop that, give him space. God rarely talks to people in a hurry, and, unless he says, slow down. That's usually what he'll tell me. If I'm in a hurry and I need something from God, he'll just say, slow down. You want to hear God in a hurry? 
I give you the word, slow down. When you slow down, you give him space, you listen, you wait. Again, don't wait for a yes or no. Don't wait on, you know, it's a relationship. Let him love on you. Let him encourage you. Let him give you that sense of his presence. Sometimes he says more to you just by being present than by words. He's here. He's here. He's here right now. And we got, I know it's Labor Day weekend, you got nowhere to go. We're going to do one more song. So come on up, worship team. Not going to rob you, not going to be cheated. You know, maybe you do have somewhere to go, but oh well. You got to stay a few more minutes, and we're going to sing one last song. And encourage you while you're singing to pay attention. The Lord's just not finished yet. So stand up with me. We're not done yet. Give us a couple minutes. Let's worship Him together. And uh, just give Him your undivided attention here in worship. Don't worry about what you're going to do this afternoon or where you're going to go eat lunch. There, you can worry about that later. Let's focus on food that fills you in a deeper way than anything else will fill you today. Give God an opportunity in worship. Just be still if you need to. Maybe you didn't hear anything. Don't panic. Don't get all freaked out. Oh my gosh, I didn't hear it. Oh my God. Because, you know, you're distracted. Just keep pursuing him. He will communicate. Remember, don't listen for something that's so out there that you miss what's here. Gentle whisper in your own thoughts, but there'll be a weight to it. There'll be a, a sense to it that this is my, my, I'm learning my shepherd's voice. I'm learning my father's voice. I'm paying attention because good things come when he calls. Let's worship him together.